Travelers, and welcome to another episode and our season finale of Tales of Tabat, a Kitchen Lore podcast. Last week, we talked about the Wanderer's Troop and the resolution of the Sojourner. We still want to find out so much more about this musical troupe and why they played the Marjavari. Look, it's a plane! No, it's a star! Oh, fuck, it's coming right at us! It's the Descenders! Are you unhinged? Join us, TalesofTabat.com. Our site includes links to our past seasons and special episodes, artist spotlights from the community for every episode, and wallpapers that you can download. Finally, feel free to email us at talesofdevotpod at gmail.com to let us know what you think of this week's episode, what you thought of season three, and what you'd like to see come out of season four. Additionally, you can follow us in our downtime on Instagram, talesofdevotpod, or Twitter, talesofdevot, to keep up to date on our season four announcements and everything else Tales of Tavat. That being said, everything else in Tavat is all about the Descenders today. The Descenders have thrown me down a really crazy trail, so I wanted to just give everyone a basic idea of what a Descender is based on the fan Wikipedia before we jumped into this. So according to the fan wiki, Descender is a term used by the Fatui and other notable individuals for outlanders who do not originate from the world of Tavat but come to live within it. We know for a fact that there are at least, and I say at least because I don't trust Soul, but Soul tells us that there are four descenders in Tavat. I do want to just say that in the 4.2 Narzissan saga that we've mentioned before, there is a note that you find where someone sort of has their own idea, let's say, of what a descender is, because they actually specify in that that not all that comes from beyond may be as one that descends 
that title belongs only to wills that can rival an entire world. And they sort of define that as one that can protect the world, sustain the world, destroy the world, and create the world. And they also can't be affected by Ermansol. I think that would be neat to delve into further. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Alice, but <laughs> go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Al. So... When looking at the definition, the only reason, like, I'm kind of like, yeah, anyone that's coming from this world that has, like, a big will, you know, big kahunas, like, giant-ass balls to, like, get the names of the second on the throne, the usurper, shit like that. Because we have a couple, uh, well, we have one that has come from another world that I don't want to say is irrelevant, but has no presence within the actual story. And that's Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. And would we call her a descender? No. Exactly. She's an outlander which the uh, sustainer of heavenly principles calls us. Mm -hmm. So she is an outlander. She does not have the will, and she's probably affected by Soul's goings-ons. I actually don't know if she is because Alice narrates her collective miscellany just like she does Wanderers, who is a race from Soul. And we know that Alice, she, like us, knows when something has been erased from Ermin's soul and she still knows the story behind it, so. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to that specific point. It seems, at least from the Descenders, or people I suspect are Descenders, can't be affected by, you know, control Z of Ermin's soul. Oh, that's terrifying. (laughs) No, definitely not. And I think any Outlander can't be affected by Ermin's soul. So, like, I feel like Paimon can't be an outlander. Like, Paimon has to be from Tavat because she forgets Scaramouche. Yeah. Just like everyone else. I think Aloy might just be a copy of the real Aloy, by the way. Oh, no. Absolutely. Oh. It's just, you know, cloned. Alice cloned Aloy on her travels. Well, Aloy finds a portal, like, on Earth, and then, like, if you actually look at her story stuff, when she finds this portal, she sees herself sort of staring back at her, like it's a mirror, and then there's a flash of light, and then she's suddenly in the other world. So it's like, did she go through the portal, or did the portal copy her, you know? Well, before we talk too much about Descenders and Outlanders, I know that's kind of the point of the episode, I would like us to take just two minutes. You can't defend yourself. You can't give any rhyme or reason. Who do you think is the first, second, third, and fourth descender? I can go first if you'd like. Yes. Yes, go. Okay. I think the first descender is the second who came. I think the second descender is Alice or Gold. I think our sibling is the third descender. And I think we are the fourth descender. Wow. Okay. I think the first (laughs) descender is the primordial one. I think the second descender is the second who came. And I think that... That might be one of the four shades. Mm, okay. I have a few theories about the third descender. I'm just going to say the the one that's the most fun. I don't know if it's tracks well. Like I actually might refute it myself. But I think the most fun version of the third descender is King Ermin. Mm. And then I think, yeah, the fourth descender is Traveler. I think the first descender is the primordial one. The second is the second who came. And I think the third is actually Istaroth, and we're the fourth. Mm, Okay. Interesting. And Tiff? I have no fucking idea. I know that we're the fourth, (laughs) because Nahida told me. But I have weird little inklings, maybe, but I'm an open book. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to tell me. (laughs) Nahida also told you that the heavenly principles are 
the first descendant. Okay, so I think the first one is the heavenly principle. But she's kind of assuming it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's her her hypothesis. Yeah, I really am like, like I don't want to go into because like you said, you just want to do face value. And I really, it, it, when it comes down to it, I have I have no idea outside of what Nahida's told me. Well, um, in that case, I think we can jump into this a little bit more then. So we went over the basic definition of what a descender is. But do we all remember the first time we heard about the descenders? I feel like it was Nahida. No, I think it was in Kanamiya. Well, at least for me. I remember Nahida because I feel like so much of Kanamiya, except for the Sun Children, was like a blur for me. Yeah, I want to say Nahida. What do you remember from an Economia, Al? Before Sun and Moon. Oh, interesting. But that they don't talk about the word descender. Yeah, they just say descend. Oh, okay, so you mean like the first time we hear the term descender. Like when we're like, oh, that's a thing. Uh, okay, then yeah, Nahida. I thought we were meaning like when we first learned of like... Well, no, I mean, that's a fair point. It's like, yeah, we know that... The primordial one was allegedly like the first who sort of came in and took over, but we didn't start using the term descender, I think, until Nahida. Yeah. I just remember Nahida being like, you're the fourth descender. And I was like, I'm what? <laughs> what am I? What did I do? Por qué? Can I get that in writing? Do I get a tax write-off for that? And then she hands you one of those kits that like you poop into so you can like <laughs> check your stool. Oh my God. No, her and her dookie obsession. Yeah, like it's almost hard to remember because I heard of the concept and the theories and we discussed it. But yeah, I think that the first time I recall actually hearing somebody confirm it was Nahida. And I was kind of shook when she said that we were the fourth because I was like, what? Like, aren't these people like old and dead? And here I am alive. Yeah. And we all we also all thought we were the third. Like we thought, okay, well, we knew we knew already that there was this lore about the primordial one coming from like outside of this world and like taking it over. And then we knew that the primordial one had this fight with the second who came, who was also presumably from outside of this world. And that we know that, you know, we came like the first bombshell is that we're the fourth, but then immediately thinking like, oh, well, then that means that our sibling is the third. But then Nahida's like, and guess what? <laughs> Your sibling is not a descender. Quote unquote. It's like, what do you fucking mean? <laughs> to go into my theory, I'm like, did they ascend instead? <gasps> uh, shut up. Uh-oh. I have a theory about that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well then I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> For travelers who are like, what the heck are you guys talking about with the Dookie Queen? At <laughs> the end of the Sumeru Archon line, some may remember Datore coming around, my arch enemy, and making us fall deep asleep. Well, him and Nahida chat afterwards. In this conversation, Nahida threatens to destroy a Gnosis to gain the attention of the Heavenly Principles, then later calls her own bluff with us, being like, I don't even know if that would have worked. And in conversation, talks with Dottore a little bit, gets him to get rid of his duplicates, all the copies of him out and about in the world. Segments. Segments. Learns about the Descenders, and then later on, during the Sumeru storyline that follows Scaramouche and his control-alt-delete of himself in Soul, we learn a little bit more about the Descenders through him and his adventures with the Fatui, the Abyss, and Soul too. So between Skara and Nahida, it's really a lot of the base information we have on the Descenders. Until Nouvellet and Skirk come along at the end of Fontaine and give us a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they tell us about body chopped up, have an ass, motherfucking third boy been stuffed into these goddamn chess pieces. 
<laughs> I love the idea that the chess pieces are stuffed with the remnants of a body. Look into one of them. There's an eyeball looking back like at it. Juice yeah. leaking out of the. Oh, <laughs> the juice. <laughs> Look. It's probably more of like essence of the third descender, but also the fact that I keep thinking of they chopped off each finger and toe and a bit of butt and just shoved them in there. <laughs> just a little bit of butt. Just a not bit of a butt. lot of butt. Yeah. For those of you who might be going, what is Al talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> that is all I am. I'm care. <laughs> Through Nouvellet and Skirk, we learn that the first and second descenders decided to use the third descender to create the Gnosis in order to regain power over the world of Tavat, whatever that means. It, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of timeline questions. And I think with that, we really do have to jump into not necessarily who the descenders are specifically, but who some of the key players are in the story of the descenders, such as the primordial one, the second who came, the four shades of the primordial one yeah. us and our siblings there is a lot going on can we just do for those who forget because it doesn't come up a lot in game let's do like a timeline recap of what we know let's do it so we know that there was a primordial one that came in and usurped the dragons like a bitch yes <laughs> they had this big war with the dragons that were just hanging out living in their world like owning all the elements <laughs> it took 40 winters and 40 summers for that war to finish that was full 40 years of war yes so the primordial one defeats the seven dragon sovereigns and starts preparing the world for humanity now eventually they successfully pave the way for humanity and then helps create the humans they also have the sealies which were the divine envoys and if any of you have been playing the new quest line in shenyu vale well guess what there's a lot of sealie stuff in that so these divine envoys are like there and they are helping the early humans communicate with the primordial one there are palaces built there are these like weird structures that they use to communicate with the primordial one and it's very you know you can tell that they took inspiration of just like oh the primordial one's god and the sealies are angels is basically the vibe uh, so the primordial one then has a fight with the second who came who comes out of nowhere which we know almost nothing about that basically destroyed a whole lot of the world and that's when economy is sunk into the sea and this is probably around the same time that the sealies were cast out of celestia or exiled and cursed to lose their powers and memories a lot of them turned into those husks that we see everywhere that lead us to their sealy courts but then we know that some of them did not do that i know you said courts but it sounded like corpse Sorry to interrupt you, but it was very their funny. Corpse, the husks going back to their corpse. <laughs> but we know some of them did not because some of them were like the goddess of flowers or, you know, possibly others were still like out and about. They were exiled, but still walking the earth. And then later... The third descender arrives. We know nothing about the third descender, but we do know that the primordial one and the second who came joined forces to take down the third descender and split its remains into the seven gnosis. And the seven gnosis are what start the Archon War. And according to Nouvellet's lore, specifically about his vision, it mentions that the primordial one was wounded in the Great War of Vengeance. 
And that brings into play this whole other thing where the king of the dragons, whose name is Nibelung, who was defeated by the Primordial One when the Primordial One first came to to that, they apparently somehow obtained forbidden knowledge from outside of the world and attempted, like they came back and attempted to take the world back from the Primordial One. Mm -hmm. And apparently, and I'm assuming that that is the Great War of Vengeance, I could be wrong. I mean, it makes sense that that would be the Great War of Vengeance. Now, that war allegedly wounded the Primordial One in such a way that her quote-unquote functions could no longer control the world and keep things from unwinding. And so then allegedly, and this is according to my interpretation of the timeline, that's when they sent down the Sky Nails to hold it in place. And then, you know, the Primordial One had to team up with their former nemesis the second who came to take the remains of the third descender turn them into the gnosis and then that sort of created the seven divine seats which was like a way to establish a world order that the wounded primordial one would not have to really do his or herself or or themselves so they sort of gave that over to hey this is up for grabs but y'all gotta fight each other and so that led to the archon that's my best version of recapping <laughs> everything. Yeah, I mean, and even with us being the fourth descender, like you could keep going further with the timeline to like us showing up and how that's really not confirmed per se. I do I do just want to say though that there are there is a thought out there that the primordial one might have been wounded actually in the war with the second who came. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that's a possibility. I'm not sure if that's when it happened or if it was when they fought Nibelung, the dragon king, who came back later. There's a lot of questions, too, because it's like, who is the one fighting for vengeance in the War of Vengeance? Like, is it possibly the primordial one trying to get revenge against the second who came, who thought they were hot shit and dropped in trying to do things? True, yeah. It's also hard because... In classic theory, in Genshin, I'm gonna we're gonna call it classic theory. That's the new thing. A lot of people assume that the heavenly principles and the primordial one and the first descender are all the same person. But I think there's like a lot of facts that could make it wishy-washy. So if you like throw them all into one basket and you're like, this is the same person, it's like, okay, so the primordial one got wounded, but then if the primordial one is the sustainer of heavenly principles, which is also like a fourth identity that we throw in the basket, because the heavenly principles and the sustainer of heavenly principles could also be very different. It almost oh. seems like the sustainer of heavenly principles could be one of the four shades. Like, for all we know, that could be Istaroth or a different shade. I say Istaroth because it's the only shade that we are aware of. It's possible those are two different people. But it's really hard because we have such a lack of knowledge on all of these people. And the knowledge that we have is so, like, bare. Or just like random, like you really have to piece it together to get it to seem even like a full puzzle piece. <laughs> I never thought of the idea of the sustainer of the heavenly principles and the heavenly principles. <laughs> Those two names being, and I, I'm now blanking because I have always made them the same to the fact that mm -hmm. they could be two different people. Yeah. That's never even crossed my mind. That's crazy. I had thought of that because we were so used to referring to that entity as the sustainer of heavenly principles, the unknown God. And then when we get to Nahida in that moment where, you know, when she's telling us about the Descenders, she's calling it Heavenly Principle as if that's the name of it. And it was like, is this like a, did they just decide that the other title was too long? So now 
they're just going to call it heavenly principles <laughs> or is it maybe they're two different entities we don't really know i do agree with your theory Feeny, that it might just be a shade i don't think it's istroth just because istroth being the god of time i don't see kind of doing this but all of the shades are encompassed by the types of artifacts so istroth is our goblet or the the our time piece versus like the feather the attack piece and all that it could just be whatever shade is representative of our feather of our death wait a second what you think that the types of artifacts those five spots are the five shades are the four shades and the crown the headpiece is the primordial one. Shut up. I'm going to disagree with you because <laughs> there is one spot in the lore where they talk about the uh, primordial one and then they refer to the three other shades. Oh, interesting. So to me, oh. it's, it made it seem like the primordial one is one of the four. Mm, interesting. I mean, the crown could be them together and the, the aspect that them being the four prongs of the crown is like the unified version yeah, of the primordial one or like that divine power. But I mean, regardless, I do enjoy that theory a lot because if we do believe that the primordial one was really fucked because we know primordial one was super injured after their fight with the second who came by the time the third descender was there you know wreaking havoc or doing whatever they were doing the primordial one and the second who came had to join forces to kill the third descender i did just want to take a quick step back just mm -hmm. the heavenly principles versus the sustainer of heavenly principles too my thought around that is that the heavenly principles is most likely the primordial one but i would think the sustainer of heavenly principles might be the second one and might be the second one the second who came so i'm like you know it might be that other guy <laughs> but i think it's in before sun and moon there is a quote about an entity called fanes and a scribe of or mr fanies fanies fanes whatever like you want to call it fannies fannies fanny packs fannies <laughs> whatever you prefer fannies but it says something about the scribe themselves actually says that the primordial one may have been Faunus, whatever. It had wings and a crown and it was birthed from an egg. But for the world to be created, the eggshell had to be broken. However, Fanes, the primordial one, used the eggshell to separate the universe and the microcosm of the world. So it's very interesting because it's getting biblical on us because that is also in it's a deity in uh, Greek culture who was born from like a cosmic egg and when you a lot of times this cosmic egg is actually represented as having a snake around it or a serpent with it almost guarding it keeping an eye on it which of course anytime i see a snake i think about the genesis pearl yeah that's what and, i was gonna say yeah i think of the genesis pearl and i think about the snake that surrounds it and and if you go to the traveler's profile which like i never go to the traveler's profile because they have so many voice lines about like the most random things. But one of their character details, they're actually their very first character detail says the keeper is fading away. The creator has not yet come, but the world shall burn no more for you shall ascend. Which is interesting because Al and Brandon, you guys said you have ascension theories, which is interesting because we ascend. But there's a lot of thought that the creator has not yet come, meaning that maybe the primordial one has disappeared because they were injured and they went away to find help, to find ways to heal. And that whoever is this 
keeper, who in my opinion is the sustainer of heavenly principles, is fading away, is getting weaker and weaker, which also makes sense because more and more of the seven archons are getting rid of their noses and they are losing power over Tavat because of that. I really like this theory. I think it's interesting that a scribe of Istaroth is saying it too. So, you know, what is Istaroth telling them? And that's why I don't think the primordial one is a descender. I almost feel like they're just the creator. I know that the dragon overlords and the dragons existed already, though. And that's kind of the hard part because there, it is, it does become a creation theory where it is said that like the primordial one cracked out of the egg and then <laughs> basically created the heavens and earth after fighting with the dragons for, I think, 40 years before coming out on top. Or maybe the primordial one is not Fanny's. I think it's really hard to go against something written in a book that was forbidden. I think it can be interpreted a lot of different ways, but I think before Tavat was Tavat, it was just the light realm. So, I mean, I took it as they use their fucking spaceship <laughs> to terraform is, is what I took it as. Oh no, this is Animal Crossing. Basically. <laughs> Basically, they wanted to terraform and get all their villagers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But also, before Sun and Moon says that the Primordial One may be Fanny's. Oh, I, yeah, and I know. I definitely know that. So we don't, you know, they might not be the same entity. True. I feel like something that Genshin likes to do and Hoyo likes to do is they like to mess with our heads. And they like to give us what seems like an obvious answer. And then when you look underneath, it's like, oh, no, there's like a second answer that seems like it could also be obvious, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then the actual answer is something completely like no one would ever have thought of. Yes, exactly. So it's like, why is this random scribe of Istaroth throwing out Istaroth's theory, probably, about who the primordial one is? And why does one of the four shades not even know who the, the primordial one is either at that point? But we don't know that they got that information from Istaroth. Like, like we don't know that Istaroth said, oh, by the way, the primordial one might be Fanny's. Like, they might have just sort of gleaned that from their interactions. I mean, totally possible. I, I also think that, and this is, I, I have no proof of this, but I feel like of sun and moon can't be affected by Ermensoul, and that's why it's forbidden too, you know? Mm -hmm. Which maybe that's because someone not of this world wrote it, I don't know. <laughs> but it's just really interesting because like we know that, like you were saying earlier, Brandon, you know, we have the primordial one, they beat the dragons, they then create humans, they create the heavens. I think Al's idea of the light realm kind of just existing 
you know, the Fane's character is said to have separated the universe and the microcosm of the world. Well, if there was just a realm and it created a world that is like Tavat in its fake dome with a fake sky, I kind of imagine us as like the bubble that the Simpsons are stuck in in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> we will motorcycle our way out to the top. Uh-huh. Uh, but I actually I think of it that way too, a little bit. I mean, we know that the <laughs> primordial sea used to cover all of to that and that now there's this other sea on top of the primordial sea so so i think the primordial one stuffed things down because raw elemental power of the world was too much for regular humans so they sort of like stuffed things down created their their own version of it and then they took over everything so you know that's sort of why they end up creating ageria to be the new heart of the primordial sea and they they know that the primordial sea is like where all life came from and to that so i think they sort of siphoned it speaking of the four shades we can get into like who the four shades might be we know one of them might be the primordial one one of them is definitely astaroth who is like the god of time and wind and then we know that one of them is the shade of life who helped the primordial one create all life into that for like the human realm version of life which like where are you i know who are you like all this shit is so infuriating like we meet possibly a descender who could be one of like seven people or not a descender at the first five minutes of the game and they just keep dropping this and all of this lore is stuff that you can't just walk around. You know, you have to read. Mm-hmm. And it is so frustrating because we have so much information about Istaroth. And, you know, we know that Istaroth and Venti probably knew one another. You just mentioned that Istaroth is the time god, but also the god of a thousand. Is it like the god of the thousand winds? Yeah. And we know that Venti was just one wisp out of all the thousand winds who then rose the power because the people believed in him and he was able to overcome Decoravian and then in the Archon War and become the Animal Archon. Also, I just wanted to mention, because I know we've brought this up in past episodes, of like, what are the gods? Where do they come from? Are they from the elemental realm? Like, have they always been here? What's going on? I realized when researching this episode that in, I think it's one of Enjo's voice lines, you know, he's describing like why he's looking for before sun and moon. And he actually says like, this will prove that Celestia and the gods are from outside of this world. So he seems to posit that the gods are from outside the world which would make a lot of sense and would sort of imply that the primordial one either created or brought the gods with them and helps explain why you know the one confirmed Seely that we know of was the goddess of flowers but does that make sense because like it's it's a hard sell for me i guess i guess though if Istaroth was one of the four shades and the primordial one either created or brought them and then venti's a wisp of the thousand winds so he would be by a very long genealogical line created by the primordial one yeah Yeah. to me that does make sense just based on how much genshin pulls from greek mythology and how extensive of a family tree greek mythology and their gods are because if we look at gods we can look at some that kind of are the gods of nothing (laughs) 
And then you have very powerful gods of lightning and earth and sky, or the god of money, wealth, shit like that. Lots of different aspects, but they're all related and they all are... The best way to put it is looking at Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and then all the children that she ends up having are gods of a specific type of love. And everyone knows Eros because it's passionate love, but there are multiple different types of love that are denoted as gods as well. I also just want to give a little bit of context, you know, as someone who plays Honkai Impact. Sorry, to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the realm of Honkai Impact, there are entities that can create worlds and are sort of given quote-unquote authority over how those worlds work, which we know is embedded into the lore of Tavat because the primordial one and or others maybe definitely are able to make these rules they have the authority to sort of dictate things that will happen. For instance, if you're from Conria and you come to the surface, you're going to turn into a monster. And we know that there are people and, and there are regions into that that the authority doesn't reach. For instance, Economia. Economia sunk into the sea so deep that it could no longer be reached. We know that Conria could not be reached by the authority of the primordial one. So that is like a common theme that's like happening across those two games. And also in Before Sun and Moon, you know, there's a this whole thing of like the year that the arc opened and the year after the arc opened. They were like talking about the arc. That has like no info. I know. And we talked a little bit about retconning stuff like last week. I kind of low-key believe that they retconned, you know, the idea that the arc from Honkai Impact brought humanity to to that. And what's interesting is that the most recent release of Honkai Impact really goes deep into this, where you find out that Griseo, she had just sort of left the atmosphere of the planet and then came back, but then she went out again as like the Project Arc thing and was like looking for habitable worlds. And she had downloadable consciousnesses of people as well as like a whole DNA bank. Okay, gold. In Honkai Impact, she ends up sort of being captured while she's asleep and like cryo slumber or whatever. And and the, all of like the specimens on board are used to populate another planet by this entity that is like siphoning power from bubble worlds. And it's very similar to Tavat in many ways where it's like, it's sort of an experiment. Like they will let humanity get so far and then they will cause a huge flood and just wipe everyone out and then start again. And that whole world was created using st- specimens from the Ark based on authority that they were granted by just having power from like that they've acquired through the sea of quanta so there is something very similar going on in those two realms and yeah i just wanted to sort of bring that up because i know we've talked about project arc a lot they've basically confirmed in honkai impact that the arc is responsible for the birth of a different world now the arc might go out again and it could have maybe been like a there could be like an alternate version of the arc out in a different parallel universe but so you know that theory that the genshin people came from the arc isn't necessarily dead but it kind of to me smelled like a retcon (laughs) just because the honkai impact storyline is so 
similar like that world being built and like this weird artificial god controlling it and wiping people out every so often when they they're unhappy with how humanity's going you know well, it's almost like they accidentally made this terms too similar yeah they're like shit we didn't mean for them to connect that connect the other stuff they're like connect the obvious stuff like andreas and fischl damn it or like maybe they were going to connect them directly and then they realized that the fans didn't want that. You're totally right about that, Brandon, because Genshin compared to Honkai Impact and Honkai Star Rail is so fantasy. Where Honkai mm -hmm. Impact and Honkai Star Rail are sci-fi. And I mean, it looks like the new Zenless Zone Zero game is very sci-fi as well. So Genshin doesn't fit that typical taboo. Mm -hmm. So I could see them being like, oh... Genshin has a different target audience than the rest of our games. It's clear that they are these fantasy lovers instead of the techie people we have for the other games. Mm -hmm. Maybe they did change it, or maybe it was just a total coincidence. I mean, Hoyo is a newer company, even though, you know, we know they've been around for a while in the grand scheme of things. They are newer, as most video game companies are. <laughs> but, you know, they're not like Mario and Zelda, even though those games also have like 9,000 different ways the story could go, depending on the version you play. <laughs> oh, you mean like bubble universes? I know. Oh my, I know, except they just say, no, this is different. They're like, well, <laughs> nothing is connected in Mario. Paper Mario is very different than Mario 64. <laughs> And it's not connected at all, just the same characters. But it is interesting that they might be taking away and retconning the arc idea, or at least giving more information in Honkai to lead it away from Genshin. Because the arc is still in the book. Like, it still has that chapter. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere yet. And they, I mean, you know, in fairness to anyone who's like a disbeliever, yeah, you could just sort of explain it as like, well, that's just the iconography of a creation myth, that there's a flood and an arc. But it's weird because the lore and Genshin about how humanity started, they they really just have this like these sort of um headings of like the year that the arc opened, the year the year after the arc opened, and then the year of Jubilee. It's not really like that humans necessarily came out of the arc. So it could just be some other entity, or it could just be them taking inspiration from very popular creation myths. I mean, it's possible that the arc does eventually show up in Tavat from Honkai Impact, that it's just a basic stop by and say hello and then leave. Yeah, I mean, at the end of Griseo's story, like currently, she's kind of like stuck on this other planet that was sort of born of entities that were already on the arc but she's sort of like maybe someday you know once i can repair the arc because it sort of crash landed she's like i can head out again and, and actually continue project arc so she still sort of has it in her mind that she might go out and venture into the stars again so we could just be way in the future that's also very true we don't really know where genshin's timeline would even fit in a honkai star and in, mm -hmm. in either honkai timelines i did want to take a chance though you mentioned earlier brandon about the heavenly principles being capable of delivering irreversible curses you mentioned the hilly trolls and the people of conria and i think it's really interesting because curses has kind of been a trend of this season unintentionally <laughs> we've brought it up multiple times and by we i mean at least me and it all started with the stupid poetry event and i say stupid in a loving way because i really did enjoy it <laughs> But the poetry event really started this idea of like curses in Tavat. And a question we had the last time we talked about it was, okay, well, what you're telling me then is that the spring fairy who was an oceanid 
aka a person from Fontaine <laughs> in hindsight, was able to quote unquote curse Diona, even though, you know, Diona thinks it's a curse, but it's a blessing. And Zhao is telling us that Shang Yun's Yang energy situation might be a curse slash blessing. And we've talked previously about, you know, whether or not curses can come from the gods, if curses can come from the Adepti, you know, why is the Spring Fairy, who's really just a normie of Fontaine in the end, able to put a curse slash blessing onto a person? Why is that all happening? And the I didn't have that theory that you mentioned about possibly the primordial one either creating or bringing all of the gods here. Mm-hmm. And if that's true... I wonder if by creating the Gnosis, they were able to pass on that power and kind of give these gods that chance to create curses and to create blessings. Still doesn't really give us too much of an answer about like what the heck is going on with the Spring Fairy. (laughs) Unless Egeria blessed the Spring Fairy somehow. I don't know. Well, if the gods are sort of borrowing from the primordial one's power right they might have like a little bit of the primordial one's authority over the world Mm -hmm. which means that they might be able to do like sort of lesser curses or blessings you know right which also goes into visions and i read through nubalette's character stories before we jumped in today and there was a really interesting quote about visions in there and it said from that day on and that day is when no seas and the seven archons were made. From that day on, whenever a person's wishes reached the heavens, the seven overseers of the material realm were duty-bound to grant them a gift. Though they might not know nothing of who or what wish had stepped into the threshold of the sacred, the seven archons still had to impart a shattered shard of their mastery to that person. And when one so gifted completed their duty, the gift the gods would receive in return would be more abundant still." So suggesting that the shards are visions and that a vision is just a shard of the Archon's power too, which like kind of blew my mind a little bit. We've gone back and forth about how visions are granted and we know that A has no idea. (laughs) And she's like, I don't give that stuff out. But A also hasn't had a gnosis. So is it possible that Yaimiko has been aware of what's happening since A had kind of cut ties with Celestia? I mean, A cut ties with Celestia when her sister died. We don't know what's going on in Celestia. And if these divine seats are in Celestia, like who's to say they're not just like on autopilot or, you know, the sustainer or whoever's up there is just be like, oh, like ding. Oh, we got another one. Send, send it out like a telegram, you know, like, mm-hmm. here we go. Like someone's wishing, like someone wished so hard. Someone's will was so strong that we now have to share part of the authority with them. What if they have it automated and they're just taking a fucking nap like venti? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do think they have it automated. I think it's totally possible that the primordial one, the second who came, are sitting on their celestial throne and they are both losing power. And the primordial one is injured and has gone to try to get healed and maybe has even left Celestia. And that the second who came is just slowly losing power. And that's why, you know, even Nahida's like, I don't know if the heavenly principles would actually come out if I destroyed this Gnosis. She's like, I I bluffed with Dottore to just try to cover myself, but I have no idea what would happen. They've been silent. Mm-hmm. But I think you also ask like a really interesting question about Celestia, because first off, now that we're in Chen Yu Vale, you are actually under Celestia. So if you look up, you can see Celestia's butt, which is always <laughs> a good time. 
Booty, 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 booty. There's another, there's a new butthole in the sky. There's a, oh no. Yes, a new booty hole in the sky, guys. Oh, goodness. That looks dry as shit. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is. But dusty. Something about Celestia that's really interesting to me is if you go a thousand years ago to the time of the manga, what's really interesting about the manga is that Vanessa is always looking up to Celestia. And Celestia always happens to be covering the moon. There's a lot of imagery that's very seems very specific with Celestia in the webtoon, in the manga, whatever you want to call it. And there's this one time where in the very beginning when Vanessa is talking with her sister Lynn and they look up and the sister is like, wow, Celestia seems like really close today. And Vanessa's like, yeah, like you're right, it does. And it shows this zoomed in picture of Celestia and there are dragons like just chilling and flying around Celestia. Which is like, uh, you guys destroyed the dragon overlords, so why are there dragons up there? <laughs> and in my opinion, and this is obviously a little far-fetched because these are just shadows of dragons, but the dragons look really similar, in my opinion, to Ursa the Drake, who we know has tormented Mondstadt in the past, and Vanessa ends up fighting Ursa the Drake and not defeating him, but getting him to go away. We find out at the start of the game that Dottore, actually we find out in the manga, that Dottore eventually slains Ursa, quote unquote, and is like the savior of Monsta and that Monsta should be indebted to him and that's why he's trying to get all their children for his slave game. But I don't know, it just felt weird that there were dragons up there and then it like starts the question like, well... Was the second who came, like, related to the dragons? Was the third descender a dragon? Like, But we know that there are dragons that are were not necessarily a part of that sovereign war that mm, were, like, true. all over. Because, like, Dvalin, I mean, we don't know. Maybe Dvalin is the animo dragon, but probably not. Who knows? But, you know, Dvalin is, like, BFFs with Venti. And Venti is one of the archons that is, like, taking part in this whole institution that overthrew their world and Ostaha became bffs with zhongli so you know there are dragons out there that like are not just a part of nibelung's circle like a pep a pep is like a, a nibelung believer and supporter <laughs> number one a fan. follower head of the fan club a pep number one fan of nibelung <laughs> The only fan that's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> the founder and president. <laughs> founder, CEO, number one fan, and number last fan. Yes. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's a question for you. We don't know a lot about Miss Gold, My one of my least, I would say my second least favorite person. Uh, next to the Tory. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> I thought it was next to Nilu. <laughs> I was going to say Nilu's number three. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, honestly. But we don't know a lot about Miss Gold, second least favorite character on my tier list. But we don't know how old she is. And, you know, we do have a lot of theory out there that Alice could potentially be a descender. I think Alice or Gold could possibly be the third descender. Gold, I think, is definitely more of a stretch, but she's fucking crazy. And she reminds me of Ruin May from Star Rail. Like, everything about Ruin May, I'm like, oh... You're gold. <laughs> mm -hmm. Every time that woman talks, she's like, and then I created a new species, but it didn't really work. So I just like killed them off. And I'm like, oh my God. And like, she's <laughs> making these like cat ottomans that like sing about how she hates them. They're like, meow, 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 meow. 
now. And then underneath it's like, ruin me. Why don't you cares, love me? But then she's like, mm, I almost care. But like, I also have things to do. Yeah. She's like, I got to go create more species to kill. But we don't know much about gold. But two things we do know about gold is that she created two dragons. Minimally. Mm -hmm. She created Durin and she created Elenus. Yes. Again, you know, we're saying that the second who came is possibly a descender. I think the first descender, y'all think the second descender, y'all are probably right, but it's fine. But we're also putting that category again, right? We're saying that the second who came and gold, why couldn't they be the same person? You know, it's like one mm -hmm. of those things where we just have title after title after title. And we either like put five of them in one basket or we separate them. Well, see, this is why I think the second Descender might be one of the four shades, because they also refer to the second who came as, um, you know, when that happened, it was the second throne of the heavens. I don't know. It would make sense to me because they later end up working together to break up the third Descender into the Gnosis. So it would make sense in a way for me to me if they were previously working together and then they became enemies and then they ended up working together again so i could see it being like one of the four shades is sort of like you know what i have enough of one side of you to see that like there needs to be someone new in charge like you're not doing this right it's sort of like the lieutenant trying to you know overthrow the general or whatever i don't know military hierarchies but yeah so that was sort of one of my thoughts because we know that there's the shade of life we know that there's astaroth or istaroth the okay the bring of... out the ars goetia demon name instead <laughs> Shit. but yeah i uh i could see it like we there's at least one shade that we don't know anything about whether that's the you know that could be the sustainer like the security device mm -hmm. yeah like where the alarm goes off, like, oh, there's beep, an outlander beep. here. <laughs> the security guard rolls up on their Segway. What you doing? <laughs> but yeah, that was just one of my thoughts. But I also thought the second ascender might be Alice. But the, that's where my theory of ascenders come in. Like, what if yes. Alice is an ascender? Someone who is of Tevat, but has left the world and yes. found new worlds. Yes, but when they come back to Tevat, they're still bound by Tevat's rules. But Alice isn't bound by the Tabat rules. She's bound by KFC rules. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. She's, yeah, she's bound by KFC rules. Look, that's chicken. Mm, I know all of those seasonings now. Thank you, Jordan. Doesn't that make you wonder if Klee is affected by Ermin's soul? Like, what happens when you're even just half descender? Like, you would assume that Klee has a father that's probably of Tavat, or maybe not. Maybe he's the colonel himself. I don't know. But there has to be a way for people in Tavat to somehow, to me, Alice is sort of like she's already beaten the loom of fate thing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like she goes outside the system. Like, she can visit other worlds. I mean, we also know that, is it Nicole from the Hexen Circle? Is, like, yes. in Ermensoul and is, like, speaking in people's minds and is invisible. And, like, there's all kinds of stuff going on with them where it's, like, well, what about them? Like, why aren't they pawns to fate and to that? So I think something I want to touch on with that is the idea of what is forbidden knowledge 
and kind of the idea of ascending and going to these other worlds and being able to do, trying to do what the gods have done has kind of been the ascenders. Like I would consider King Deshret an ascender or possibly a descender. Alice as an ascender, she technically has all this knowledge of forbidden knowledge. And maybe it's just not been long enough for her to become corrupt like others before her. I think that's the main difference is that once they have that knowledge, they become corrupted. Maybe like becoming outside of Ermin Soul's domain, perhaps it's like whatever, Stardust, you know, Starfarts is just toxic. They something about this. Not toxic Starfarts. Toxic Starfarts. Like dog's farts. <laughs> <laughs> but because those that are coming from another world aren't necessarily affected by forbidden knowledge, the same as those who originate from Tavat. The mm, true. And that's why I think possibly this idea of like people being corrupted, maybe they reached too far or maybe they found something toxic within the stars that turns this forbidden knowledge into corruption. The fact that the idea of coming from a different world, being a part of before sun and moon is hidden. It's deep in Konomiya. No one is supposed to know what this story is. And we also see it mm. in some of the children's books we see in the game. This idea of going to another world. That could be the specific thing of forbidden knowledge of like there are more worlds. The sky isn't real. Or yeah, what if there's just like one little piece of the truth behind the primordial one that is what's considered forbidden knowledge? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like you can travel the stars and like go to other worlds and all this. But if you still don't know the real truth behind how the world was created, then you become corrupted. Oh, you're fine. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, you won't you won't create a disease that kills everyone and ends the world. Like when you look too far in to the sun and you just stay too long, you're fucked. But if you stay just long enough, have the nice starry shit in your eyes. Don't do that at home, people. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Can I take a minute? Because all this talking made me just think of something. I don't want to forget it. And it's it's kind of a crack. Like, it's definitely a crackpot theory. <laughs> what if, and this is me keeping with my egg stuff. So, you know, remember, I think that the primordial one cracked out of an egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and created Tavat <laughs> and fought the dragons. So I'm not considering that primordial one a descender because I am considering them a creator. Almost like a creation theory here. So they can't descend if they created it, right? They created it. They're part of it. Mm-hmm. What if the first descender, aka the second who came, in my opinion, is Alice? Alice, who knows so much about Tabat, to the point that she narrates the trailers for characters that aren't in Ermensoul. Alice, who has been MIA the whole game, she literally like got up from the dinner table, said peace out to her daughter and Albedo, because Albedo must have been having dinner with them at that point, and was <laughs> like, Tabat's borders are being destroyed. I need to go fix that shit. It would make sense if the primordial one is too hurt to be fixing anything that alice possibly being the second person sitting at the seats of heaven or sitting in heaven as the second seat would have to go fix the borders and it goes into what the travelers details say about them when it says that the keeper is fading away the creator has not yet come so the primordial one hasn't come back and alice is trying to keep shit together but isn't necessarily doing it 
And then that keeps the sustainer of heavenly principles a totally different person who might be one of the four shades, possibly Istaroth, because in my opinion, Istaroth is the only shade left if the primordial one isn't considered a shade, because I think the primordial one might be around still. My reason for that is that there was this war, possibly now I'm saying, between Alice and the primordial one, where I could see the other shades of the primordial one dying trying to defend everything because it is said to have been very catastrophic it's as we know it sank in Kanomiya. we also know that istaroth was the only person to check on the people in, of Inkanomiya. all the other gods or the other shades abandoned Inkanomiya. so it makes sense if istaroth was the only one left that istaroth was potentially coming back and visiting them this could also mean that maybe the primordial one did die which I think pulls into the battle pass cutscene where it talks about the heavens being a kingdom in the heavens being created, aka Celestia, people taking up the throne, royalty seeking it out. And I feel like whoever that princess is who is sent to the final Genesis Pearl might actually be, I think the Genesis Pearl might actually be like the egg of the reborn primordial one, almost like a phoenix sort of thing, except from like an a egg. reincarnation. Yeah, like I think the primordial one has not yet come because it has to crack out of a new egg, basically. <laughs> and I think that Lumine, being the abyssal twin, was sent to find the egg of the primordial one. Did not find it, got corrupted by the abyss instead, and then now Ether is supposed to be out looking for it, but Ether has no idea what's going on because he lost his memory. And so, just to recap, Alice, first descender, aka the second who came, I then think that the second descender is gold. And I think that it is totally possible that gold and Alice both kind of abandoned Celestia at some point to create the Hexen Circle. And that maybe the Hexen Circle is just an extension of Celestia for all we know. We don't know a lot about it. Hold up. So Alice is a primordial chicken. Well, no. And lays eggs. No, 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 no. Because the primordial one is not Alice. Alice is the second who came. Okay. In my opinion, is the first descender. So she is the descended chicken that lays eggs. Alice does no egg laying. The primordial one is an egg. <laughs> but there's got to be more eggs. And if the egg continues, it's clear. <laughs> it's clear. It it's clear. There is a lot of thought that Klee is evil. Anyway, I could see Gold being the second descender who has all this power to create life. Also, neither one of them have really been talked to by celestia where i feel like other people have been reprimanded for much less you know alice is literally going back and bringing back chicken wings and gold is creating evil dragons and an alchemist that is a little awkward and shy but no reprimanding i then think that the third descender is our sibling and this is a little yeah here we go this is the part that i think is easy to disprove and i will say that i think the only thing that disproves it is us running into our sibling during the upside down defiled statue moment with dean's leaf but i think our sibling is dead and i think they died somehow and i think that we are just continually seeing their memories possibly i love it that this is like the apex of amanda's they're gonna die <laughs> no they already <laughs> did i but i actually love that theory I think that the, our sibling being dead could definitely easily be disproven. And I'm not going to lie about that. But we've learned so much with the ley lines that we are constantly seeing memories. And even during our ley line episode, we questioned whether or not we were seeing memories of our sibling as opposed to seeing our sibling. Okay, so wait, I'm going to prove your theory, but also disprove it at the same time. And that's what Genshin does. Go, go for it. <laughs> 
fucking Genshin. They do that to us. In the finale of Fontaine, Nuvi mentions that the Gnosis are exceedingly elemental compatible mm-hmm. and even enhance elemental powers. And then he's like, hmm, I wonder if your body has similar properties. And we know that it does because we're able to use elemental powers without mm-hmm. a vision. And then Paimon is suddenly like, this is too creepy. Let's talk about something else. Like She doesn't like the idea of like comparing the Traveler with a dead third descender. But mm-hmm. they make it very clear in that dialogue that there's definitely something in common with the Traveler and the dead third descender. And I think that lends a lot of credence to your theory that the third descender could be our sibling who's dead. And that, you know, the Gnosis are pieces of our our sibling. Now, that gets into questions of the timeline. Yes. Because the common thought is that our sibling wakes up sometime before the Cataclysm and then, you know, goes to Conria, is hanging out there. Then the Cataclysm happens. They come back to the meteorite where we crash landed and they wake us up. And then we try to leave. And that's like the cutscene with the unknown god, right? Mm-hmm. But that is sort of refuted in a way because we know that the third descender's death and like them being, you know, split up into the Gnosis is what helps establish the Archon War because that's when everyone started vying for one of the Gnosis to become like one of the seven. And that ended 2000 years ago. So that sort of refutes it. But, you know, there's a lot of workarounds. Like you could say that maybe our sibling is a clone where it was created in a lab in Conria or something that Conria sort of summoned us or, or, or maybe our, our sibling summoned us who was their twin to, to that shortly before or during the, the cataclysm. Like what if they were a clone of someone who's already dead, they were able to summon their, their brother slash sister or a puppet. I yeah. will say the one other thing that disproves my own theory, and I am willing to admit it, so I'm being transparent, is our sibling being co-founders of the Abyss. Because we know that the Abyss was co-founded 500 years ago after the fall of Kunria. Right, but maybe it's a clone. <laughs> but maybe it's a clone. I know, I was just saying, like, if you're going to go with no clone, I think it's right. possible we had another sibling. You know, there's a. it's interesting because in certain phrases they use the word sibling, and in other phrases they use twin. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of our, maybe our twin fucking died, but our sibling is out there. <laughs> and there's a lot of questions. It's like, well, what about Dean's Leaf? Dean's Leaf looks like the, tw- looks like the twins. Let's not lie. Dean's Leaf looks like he could totally be related to them. I know he's presumed to be Conrian and he's kind of made a point that he's Conrian, but who's to say that he's not a third sibling in this situation and that our sibling died and now Dean's Leaf is a memory too. What if mm. Dean's Leaf is a memory and Ether was alive for the Abyss? And maybe that's why he's so pissed because his yeah. brother Dean's Leaf died. At some points, I, I've thought that Dean's Leaf was an older version of us, of of uh, Aether. Do you remember um, in the We Will Be Reunited video how Lumine is being carried by a Ruin Guard? Yeah. And they go to the clifftop and she steps on the dandelion mm-hmm. and she sees Ether fighting. And then, you know, she leaves and then Ether looks up at the cliff and is like, I felt something familiar. And then we go up there and then Dainsleaf is like, oh, I actually um, came here with your twin. I think Dainsleaf is the room. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh. And Gold put his consciousness into the robot. 
like I, they could do something fun with that, you know. Or they could have made him like the 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 perfect Ruin guard, the full on body autonomous, you know, robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. fast asleep so i'll be quick great job using the colgate optic white overnight teeth whitening pen before bed when used as directed it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days so while i fly and talk to animals you're removing teeth stains with ease sweet dreams and when you wake up keep on living life to the brightest colgate optic white find it at all major retailers I think what it comes down to really at this point is that we need another Dean's Leaf quest. Yes. Uh, totally. We all know it's coming, but like what I need from this quest is for him to actually give me answers instead of continuing <laughs> to ask me questions. Bro, I can't help you if you're not going to tell me more. <laughs> Even with our character, you know, I referenced the character details a few times in the episode, but if you go to Lumine or Ether, whoever you play, and you go to check out their story, we only have the first two stories and their thoughts on Visions Unlocked, which, in my opinion, is ridiculous because story one is literally just a recap of what we did in Mondstadt, and story two is like a recap of what we did, I think, in Leeway. So it's like, why haven't you given me anything else? Why can't I see characters, other character stories? And our special character story is called the Luma Fate. And I'm just like sitting there, you know, that meme of that girl sitting on a bed with like her hands crossed in front of her and the sunglasses on like that's me. I'm just waiting. Like, can someone give us <laughs> concrete answers? I did just want to say that um, because I'm always thinking about like, why is our sibling in Ermin soul? And I love the idea that they did some kind of self-sacrifice in order to sort of rewrite himself or herself in order to save Conria. Like, I love the idea that maybe they did something to save Conria, and that's how they ended up in Soul. Like, maybe they agreed to be woven into the Luma Fate. Like, you reminded me of that when you were talking about the Luma Fate. That's a really good point. I think that could even go back to the Chasm story, where, because we see our sibling for a moment after touching the flowers, Mm -hmm. so clearly we're seeing something that happened. Well, it feels like we're seeing something in the past, but then we're also stopping them from doing the unlocking of that power that they think is going to like revive everyone and turn them back to normal, which also mm-hmm. like not for nothing. But if they had succeeded, don't you think all the hilly trolls would have just turned into like ancient humans that have just died on the spot anyway? Puffs <laughs> of <laughs> dust. <laughs> yeah, like I think they would have just, you know, the 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 chocolate woman from SpongeBob, like that fish, like they just sort of all looked like that. I mean, they would have preferred that, I'm sure. They would have been like, at last. <laughs> Finally! But hold up. Do you guys remember that moment in the first part of the Inazuman Archon quest where we're taking, like, the wishes of all of the Inazumans to, like, fuck up the Shogun? I think I know what you're uh-huh. talking about, where we, like, go to the three people who have had their visions removed and... No, like, in, like, that that final fight where we channel oh. yeah, yeah we yeah. channel yeah. their wishes ambitions. and their like yeah. ambitions like we do in sumeru like a few months later with nahida <laughs> what if that is how our sibling and or our twin 
became part of Ermin Soul, the fact that they kind of took on, because from what we understand, they're going through a very similar, or we are following in our siblings' footsteps in a way. What if they also took on the hopes and wishes of all these people of all these different nations, and that tied them to Ermin Soul without them knowing it? Yeah. Just because you have the absolute will of the people believing in them. That's a good point. That's the kind of like vague consciousness, like it sounds like it makes sense, but like who knows kind of thing that they would do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> but I mean, who, who who truly knows? I mean, that's one way to explain it. I kind of like the clone theory. There's also the possibility. I think that Fiends, you touched on this. What if our sibling had died in Conria and gold kind of made a baby yeah what if this is gold what if gold brought our sibling back to life (laughs) and it's not even our sibling it's the evil clone twin of our sibling she is the reincarnation of nibbola (laughs) (laughs) no or he i think the most interesting thing about this episode is that we're all just coming back to tiff's initial point of who are the four descenders i have no no idea idea. We're one question mark. <laughs> I even question that sometimes. Like, are we? I don't we know. do know though that our sibling came to Devat because, and I'm quoting Scaramouche, who is relaying this from something he learned from Piero. The heavens responded to the summoning, whatever the hell that is. And the reason that they're recorded in Ermensel has something to do with Conria. Mm-hmm. So we do know that they're in soul because of Conria, and that they're here in Tevat, which I guess allegedly means that we are too, because the heavens responded to the summoning. I always thought that that meant that when Conria, you know, when specifically when gold fucked everything up and the war with Conria started in the cataclysm, that, you know, the heavens summoned the seven, well, six of the seven archons to Conria to figure it out. Mm. So I always thought that was what the summoning was because we know that they were all called there. But we had to have landed before the cataclysm, right? Oh, Or maybe not. I mean, no, I don't know. It's weird because it's like we're woken up during the cataclysm. I feel like our, our sibling woke up before then, lived in Conria for a time because they do use that wording mm-hmm. that the, our sibling lived with Piero for a time in Conria. But then we're woken up right before we have the battle with the unknown god, which is during the cataclysm, allegedly. Well, I will say that in the first character story for the Traveler, it says basically that you two descended upon Tavat, hoping to find a place to enjoy your time. But as you awoke among the falling stars, you saw the world in turmoil. It does call it a cataclysm raging across the land. But I would like to say that there isn't necessarily just one cataclysm, which we've talked about a little bit when talking about the bubble universes. And they call it the cataclysm, I think, because it's like the most recent one. You know, when like we talk mm-hmm. about like the world wars, like there were kind of some world wars in <laughs> prior to World War One and World War Two, but those are like the modern day world wars. Yeah. <laughs> So I almost feel like this could have been when the primordial one and the second who came were fighting. This could have been when the dragon overlords were fighting back. Oh, absolutely. There were a lot of cataclysms. Yeah. There was a ton of shit where they could have woken up and saw the world in turmoil. There's also regional ones. Like there was like Sumeru had its own cataclysm. Fontaine had its own like flood cataclysm. But two of them, at least. There's so much bad shit that could have been happening at Tavat at any given time that we could have landed and seen and then tried to leave. And whoever the 
quote unquote sustainer of heavenly principles is is like nah you have to stay mm-hmm. true because then we get we get cubed and then we, we wake cubed. up later <laughs> and we're assuming that that was the cataclysm of 500 years ago but who knows and that's the thing is like they are laying down bricks that make it look like a direct path and they are gonna freaking u-turn us they're gonna pull the rug out from under they're us. gonna pull yeah they are they absolutely are and i'm ready i, I got egg <laughs> theories i'm prepped and ready to go scrambled or fried no those are the easy routes we're gonna hard boil devil and then scramble <laughs> damn i just like it over easy and actually it's gonna be a tofu egg what well yeah hold up damn Ow. Because this world was created. <laughs> well, every time you talk about an egg, I imagine Lady Gaga when she showed up to the MTV Music Awards in the egg. Do you remember that? Oh God, we no. Was this I after don't... the meat dress? No, no, no. I think that was that night. She was in the egg, and then she came out in the meat dress. Ugh, gross. The meat dress is so disgusting. <laughs> Look at her now. Oh, that was before she became the true gay icon that she is. Oh, she was back then, I think. I mean, yeah. She was like, yeah, she was like on the rise still. Like, oh, she arrived to the Grammys in an egg. Oh, it was the Grammys not MTV? Yeah, that is wild. There was also someone else who was a egg for Halloween. I think. Oh, it was Heidi Klum's husband. Yeah, and then didn't Heidi Klu- Heidi Seal? Klum? Yes, one of them, ex husband, I guess, ex husband. But Heidi, you know the Would you love me if I was a worm? She turned you. Oh my god! Yeah. And it was immaculate. Like, yeah, she went to some red carpet event as a fucking worm. Well, she also went as Halloween as a peacock this year, and her husband was an egg. I mean, as I sound like a peacock now. (laughs) It's fun to see her having fun. Yeah, it is. After so many seasons of Project Runway, where she just seemed like a miserable asshole. I, for a very long time, thought that Heidi Klum and Gwyneth Paltrow were the same person. <laughs> yeah, they do look a lot. And, you know, you could, couldn't could you see Heidi Klum earnestly believing in goop? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's no second guessing that. Absolutely. We haven't even talked about other theories about the uh, who the third descender might be, because I have a lot. Okay, who's your next theory? Okay, so we talked about it might possibly be our sibling. I did just want to quickly, before I get into my theory, say that Skirk, she mentions to Nuvi and the Fontaine finale that the Gnosis will bring misfortune. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of going back to your curse theme, Feeny, because she says, because when someone dies, the bonds they had with this world will turn into curses. And so that's actually why Nuvalet gives the Gnosis away. I would too. <laughs> I don't want that shit. I just got my like dragon powers back. I'm not taking my chances. It's just interesting that she's like, oh, you have like the essence of, you know, that other descender on you. You should definitely give that away if you still have it because it'll bring misfortune to you. And I'm like, who is Skirk? And how does she know this? And then, okay, so my prominent theory about the third descender is that. The one that makes the most sense to me, I should say, is that it's Nibelung. Mm-hmm. Which is the dragon king. Yes, the dragon king. So Nibelung was the the leader of the seven sovereign dragons who was defeated by the primordial one, then presumably left and like left to that 
actually went out and found forbidden knowledge to use as a weapon against the primordial one and then came back to fight the war of vengeance and to back this up a pep says that nibelung quote unquote finally returned when he battled the usurper again and to me that means like okay so he either left the world to get the forbidden knowledge and then physically returned, or he was reincarnated. It has to be one of those two things. But anyway, according to a pep, when Nibelung fought the primordial one again, and I'm assuming this is because of the primordial one's authority and like their rulemaking, the loser of that war would turn into ash, whereas the winner got authority over the world again. Of course, Nibelung lost. A pep also lost, though, as the number one fanboy. Yes, the Pep did lose. (laughs) But Pep kept pursuing forbidden knowledge at that point after Nibelung died as the number one fanboy. (laughs) They actually say like even as the world was falling apart. So it's interesting because sort of proof that like forbidden knowledge and like a war with the primordial one is enough to get like the whole world to start falling apart and coming apart at the seams. And then he says, Pep says that he was stopped by the sky nails when he was like on his quest for more forbidden knowledge. So that sort of lends credence to like the whole storyline of like the primordial one was wounded, sent down the sky nails to stop the world from crumbling and like ripping apart at the seams, you know, and then of course created the Gnosis because they are just too weak to like hold the world together anymore. I have so many questions about the sky nails too, but I'll get, we'll get to that another day. That, that's also when the pep like made the deal with Deshret to eat him. <laughs> After he <laughs> was sort of done to obtain more of his forbidden knowledge, which like created a whole drama. My other theory about who the third descender could be is King Ermin. Now, King Ermin, as we know, is the king of Conria, you know, the last king of Conria. But maybe he was the king of Conria because he had elemental powers without a vision. And so he could live down in Conria where the authority of the primordial one couldn't reach, but still have powers and was seen as like a leader. That's a great idea, actually. And I know we talked about King Ermin might be the Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. you know, Clotar's Dark Crystal that sort of helped initiate the Abyss Order. But maybe his body was turned into the Gnosis while his consciousness was locked away in a chained up crystal. That gold then found <laughs> and put into something. Here's a wrench to throw into that theory. Piero in the Pale Flame artifact set, he mentions that he failed to gain the favor of King Ermin and therefore wasn't able to stop him from, quote, tearing away the veil of sin, end quote, and, quote, washing in a tide of divine wrath, end quote. Like, they're, they're really making it sound like that was the cataclysm of 500 years ago. But sort of like what you were saying before, Feeney, like, what if that was a previous cataclysm? I mean, what we don't know is Piero's lifespan. Yeah. So if Piero is like a long-lived creature of Tevat, you know, he could have been referring to a different cataclysm. For example, the flood that wiped out the Remurians. And that would have been before the Archon War, which means if he is a third descender, his body parts could have been split up and have initiated the Archon War. Oh my god. Ooh, I just thought of the freaking Buffy episode with the... The guy whose body parts were separated because they couldn't kill him. <laughs> the judge, uh, yeah. yeah the, that's what that made me think of. But like, <laughs> oh, it's such a good theory. Does that mean we're going to see Angel? No, I hope not. <laughs> hope to fuck No not. spoilers, Al. <laughs> oh, I just don't like the actor. <laughs> it's just me. 
the next Genshin drip marketing is that David Baranzas will be re um, his name is up David his... Boring Anus. <laughs> He's a boring anus. <laughs> after he put his sex tape on Twitter, Jesus. He's gonna be reprising his role as Angel as the first vampire in Genshin Impact. Oh my god, I would love it. No, we know who the first vampire is, and that's Rosaria. Take that back right now. What if if Angel is Rosaria's sire? (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Also, just to sort of add to my theory about King Ermin being the third descender, according to an abandoned letter that you find in the Conria area, like by the big gate, the machines that are used in Conria, they involve technology that surpassed the world's laws because Conria was spying upon secrets from beyond the skies. Mm, which makes sense if Piero or King Ermin could do that. Yeah, if King Ermin was a descender, he might already have that knowledge. Although that kind of puts into question, like, why would they have to spy upon secrets? Because they couldn't be seen by the gods. <laughs> also, we know that the Alberic clan stepped in as Ew, regents don't say that <laughs> they Albert stepped in as regents after remember how the, the wording is like after the strength of king ermine the one-eyed king ermine failed yeah. yeah so maybe he failed before the archon war and the regents have been in place since then but mm-hmm. you know it's kind of a long shot it's probably like it failed like during the cataclysm but i would not doubt that piero was weakening at bernie's the fucking body of king ermine just to like (laughs) placate like nah he's like here like he didn't really lose we're not really done yet we're just down here just listen to me (laughs) my other theory is just that the third descender might be ether and lumine's parent (gasps) oh my god imagine parents in this game (laughs) oh you mean not orphans like, wouldn't that be the twist? Is that there's like orphans everywhere, but like the main character is like not an orphan, but has an evil parent. Parent or? <laughs> Damn it. The one, again, every time someone gets a parent in this game, it's not good. Yeah. yeah. They either die and everyone gets depressed or they're mean. And also like, why does the Fatui want all of these noses? Because to me, it makes it seem like they're trying to resurrect whoever the third descender was. The Saritza's mom. Holy crap. That makes a lot of sense. If all their juice is stuck in all those noses, he's going to make like a little third descender Dude, stew. not the juice again. <laughs> not a stew. <laughs> a third descender stew. <laughs> Zeritz is just going to eat him all up. Mm-mm. No crumbs left. Senora like resurrects and puts on a meat dress. <laughs> the meat suit is back, bitches. <laughs> no, another one of my least favorite characters. Boo. <laughs> I'm just gonna boo the theories I don't like. Also, why is it chess? Why chess pieces? Why always is it? It's always chest. Chest. Chest bazingas. Yeah, you were thinking of uh, Senora a little too much there, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> this game just always comes back down to chess. Like, D. Luke and Ayato play chess. And we think it's like a secret society thing. Ning Wang Beto have a sex thing mm-hmm. with chess. <laughs> like, it's always chess. Well, there's also, I think we talked about this in our many, many moons ago. We talked about uh, the Harbingers episode and that specific play that they're doing, like they're playing chess, but they're playing a very specific, very famous game of chess. Chess? (laughs) Fuck! Chess! (laughs) (laughs) I cannot stop 
boobies are on the brain. <laughs> but it's one of the games between a very famous chess player, I have to enunciate, and the first ever AI programmed, well, AI chess program. So in all in all, it's, 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 oh God, we can, we can go into just that fucking shit, but the sustainer of heavenly principles, the AI, exactly the AI, AI, which means that we are just a video game in Honkai Impact the third. (laughs) And let's not forget that chess. I can't, if I don't think about it, I'm going to say chest. Fuck. Chess player ended up winning, not just like multiple matches, but the full game. He won the full game. AI could not win. Yeah, fuck you, AI. Mm. Trying to take voice actors' jobs. Boo. And also, the heart out of art. Fuck that. Eh. Oh, the yeah. heart. I was like, whoa, what is this movement? <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> it took me a second. Don't take the heart out of art. Keep AI out of this shit. Keep your blood in the water. <laughs> I mean, I personally am fine with AI just taking over the world and killing all of us, so. No, Brandon. No. I know that theory. Oh. I know what you're trying to say. No. Rise <laughs> against, bitch. All right, Terminator over here. We've had our time. We've had a good run. We've no, good no. Run. My run has just run. begun. <laughs> you, maybe you want to say that, but my run has just begun. Humanity has had a good run. No, that's not fair, man. That doesn't give me a fair chance. <laughs> it's not my problem that the last X amount of years of society has fucked up. Let me vibe. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me just try a little bit. Boy has it. Boy, I know. We've only caused massive wars and killed a lot of trees. <laughs> Poor trees. We killed our Ermansol. We, yeah. we did. We absolutely mm-hmm. have. Guys, what are your trees? I Don't you feel like that? You sort of pushed Genshin into the real world. When Scaramouche went in to erase himself from Ermansoul, he instead would have just poisoned Ermansoul. <laughs> and it would have withered and died. Would have been like, just all over it. Yeah. And then he would have, you know, become the new Jeffrey Dahmer. No! Wait, what? Where is this jump? <laughs> I mean, I did a whole report about Jeffrey Dahmer when I was in college, and it was great. He's just very curious about eating, you know, human flesh. He just makes experiments. Making sex dolls. You know, it's just a little bit of flesh. (laughs) What's really the big deal? You want to know something amazing about that case? On his first kill, a cop pulled him over. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what was going on. Because, I mean, like, who expects there to be a body in the backseat? Nobody. Nobody. Except for me. And that cop was the same cop that made the final arrest. <gasps> Imagine oh, you're like, oh, shit. Character arc. You're like, oh, man, I really fucked this one up a few years back. <laughs> yeah, no, they kept fucking it up, too. That would have been Traveler. Not that Traveler is a cop. I want to give one other fun fact about the Jeffrey Dahmer case, because Al opened my uh, the segue to me to do this. I've been listening to um, And This Is Why We Drink Way Too Much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jeffrey Dahmer, at one point, like, he had a guy captive, and he was doing his thing with him, like, you know, lobotomizing him, and he was black, and he got out, and he, like, ran into these women, and he was, like, trying to beg for help, but because he lived in, like, a very white area of the world, I forget where, maybe Wisconsin or something, sorry if I'm, you're from Wisconsin, no, it, it was Milwaukee, yeah, it was Wisconsin. So yeah, he's he's from a very white area of the world called Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And back then it was like really bad, you know, if you weren't white. 
and this guy got out and he ran into these women and they called the cops and they just Jeffrey Dahmer came out and was like, oh, he's my like boyfriend. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And like they just didn't listen to the black guy because, of course, they wouldn't listen to the black guy. So that's my story. I'm ready for yeah, AI to for, take over. You just proved Brandon's theme. <laughs> Humanity has had its run. <laughs> well, listen, Dahmer was born in 1960, so that was a while ago. We're trying to get better. I'm just saying we need a cataclysm. Yeah, but I want to survive. Sure. I don't. <laughs> I want my geckos to survive and take over the world. Do you hear me, Oz? Yes, Azdaha. Five babies I've yet to name because I'm I'm I don't want to give you the wrong name first. There's pri- primordial primordial seed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of them is named Bathy. The other is Ismal. The other is Vish. Oh, the, the other is glitter Pap. water. Oh my god, you should call him Davalin, a Pep, all the dragons of Genshin Durin. Well, on that note, I do think that this is all the time we have for today, because if I let these hosts continue going, they might nuclear bomb this entire planet and let AI take over. It'll be a flood. Oh, God. (laughs) Let me, yeah. Let me prevent the next flood. (laughs) So thank you, travelers, for surviving the Great Flood. As per usual, our season finales always bring about more questions than true answers. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you all for coming down the path of season three with us. We are so grateful for all the listeners and new friends that we've made along the way. We can't wait to continue making content for you guys in season four. So make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Tales of Tavat Pod, or Twitter, Tales of Tavat. They stay up to date on when season four will be releasing and any other fun things we have going on in the meantime. Additionally, feel free to email us at talesofthevatpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us in the meantime or any topic suggestions you'd like to suggest. Additionally, you can feel free to follow us on YouTube, which we'll link on our webpage. If you want to check out our YouTube, we do some fun Twitch streams and we upload them afterwards into there too. So maybe you can find us there. Until next time, travelers, safe journeys. We'll see you next season. Bye, nerds. I love you. Oh, the OG nerds. Why did that seem foreboding? Did it? Foreboding.